When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good, Buckeye Nation? Welcome in the Landry Holdings Instant Recap Podcast. Um, we are recapping Ohio State's 43-30 dominant win over Maryland, where everything went exactly how we expected. We have no arguments, no qualms, no problems. Uh, we're just uh, two, two happy guys, but it's just praise Ryan Day for, for 30 minutes. Um, Chris, how you doing? First thoughts on the game? Yeah, first thoughts on the game. Uh, part of me wants to be... Uh, you know the Dr. Pepper commercial where the like group of six it, like gets that dude at the river and he's like, yeah, I think it's more than a game. Part of me wants to be that guy. And then the other part of me is like the other six where I'm ready to go on like message boards and start like, you know, getting all my conspiracy theory thoughts out, you know, just kind of going on one of those brigades. But it was, I mean, it's, it's a Saturday in November. We all know what's ahead. You know, I think the announcers, Tessator and McElroy, couldn't help themselves but talk about how the whole Ohio State beat coverage basically couldn't focus on this week. And players and coaches are wired differently, but they're still human beings. And I know there was a lot of thoughts in that for next week. And it took the experienced players and a inexperienced player to really get the job done today. Yeah, yeah. I, I Well, I think the biggest thing, and uh, I said this to you before we started recording, is Maryland always had them this in them. I was, you know, very high on Maryland going into the season for what they put up today. I just don't think they have good coaches, which we talked about on Friday, which is why you don't see this more consistently. And then obviously Tulua was um, injured the last two games. But like when you it's it's this thing that happens sometimes where like coaches overthink themselves. And when you put their back against the wall, they actually just call a good game. And that's what happens when you play Ohio State all the time. And Mar- I think Maryland would be, you know, have eight wins already if they played like this and coached like this the entire season, but they don't. So we just get that against Ohio State. And then you couple that with, like you're saying, Ohio State thinking about the team up north the next week, the playoffs, getting the big, you know, you know, not being dominated like they were last year, that's a recipe for what we just saw. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Maryland isn't, they're not, they're definitely not at the bottom of the Big Ten when it comes to like the talent composite and like how many good players they are. Like we saw some of their former five stars and like high four star players making plays. I want to say their linebacker, their really good linebacker came up with some big plays. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett had a few big plays as well. So I I really do think, like, this was not a team to take lightly. I don't think Ohio State took them lightly, but, like, there were too many moments where, you know, it felt like the offense just wasn't clicking, and then when they'd finally start clicking, the defense would have a bad series and let Maryland get some momentum back, and that would give their defense some confidence. And it was just, like, one of those back-and-forth performances where, like, nothing went right at all times, and – you could see it kind of like bled into the decision-making in some scenarios. Uh, but 
you know, it, it's just it's another Saturday in college football. You go down the list. Uh, TCU had to run their field goal team out to win a game today. Um, Georgia was in a game late against Kentucky. Uh, what was the other one? Missing one. Oh, yeah. Michigan only beat Illinois by two points, and it took them and all the way down lost. the stretch. I mean, and, they had a, they kicked a field goal at the end, too, to win. Yeah. Uh, so, Tennessee's down seven right now. It's just one of those weeks where season's almost over. These teams with worse records are looking for that final stamp on their season to go away proudly. And it, it's, it's a tough time to play in college football. It really is. Uh, so, I think – as much as we can complain, as much as fans like to complain and be angry about performances like this, it's it's not about this week. It never was. It's about next week. Or I guess this yeah. week now. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, there's still some positives to take out of that. Like uh, Dallin Hayden, for one, uh, major positive. Um, the pass rush, much better. I mean, Jack has had a sack, I think, in three, three straight games. So JT turned it on a little bit earlier in the season, but Jack is starting to turn it on and get there. Zach Harrison, you know, is playing like he's never played before. So they're still positive. Like, my biggest takeaway is that Maryland is a talented team who played the game of their life and still yeah. lost by 13. Like, that's, that is the joy of being Ohio State, where teams can play their best game. You can not play your best game, and you still win by double digits. Um, so, and we're doing better than Tennessee right now. South Carolina just scored again, and it was oh, very two easy. scores, yeah. I'm, I'm and they're, they're cooking. They are cooking right now, the yeah. Gamecocks. Um, I think it's one of them things. It's just kind of you take, you, take you take it for what it is. Uh, you can't always – uh, make these kind of deep things and deep thoughts about everything. Also, that was their 11th game. This team is exactly who it is. And it's like some of the things that you think are a problem. It's like, hmm, again, and that's what I was talking about with the running game, how much I think the problem with the running game is the coaches. Uh, because the running game was just fine when you put in a running back who can see a hole, which means I guess the running game, part of the running game is actually on the running back. Yeah, are we? Are, you see we ball, can... get ball. It's like full circle on this. It's not possibly the offensive line. It's possibly not the coaches fully. And maybe I, well, I, and I, Dre I, dance a little too much. Yeah, I think it's everyone now, honestly. Um, and I always I have always felt like in most situations, not all, most situations, the offensive line was not the biggest problem this season. I think they played significantly better. Like the one play Trey gets tackled for three yards. There was a literally a hole on the left side. And last year's Trey fully healthy would have broke off the safety and that would have been a touchdown. Yeah. There was a hole and the safety was 12 yards back. He would have had a full head of steam, put him over on the safety, not got tackled. It'd have been a 70 yard touchdown, but this isn't last year's Trey and he can't find a hole uh, to save his life. Yeah. He, he was obviously not healthy either. Um, and not you know, it, it looked like he was trying to make up for lost times. You know, he had a Barry Sanders S style run until it wasn't. And then, that's kind of when I knew his day probably needed to be done because he did not have yeah. the juice that he's known for, and he's not making good decisions with the ball in his hand. Um, I what's his stat line? Do we have that in here? Or I, I don't, but I have it. I have it up. Um, eleven he, for nineteen yards, eleven carries, nineteen yards. He had that nice catch on that well-designed play. And once, like when you saw that, when you saw Trey catch that on that wheel route, you thought this game was going to be over, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely did. And 
that is not that's not what happened. So yeah, and that's not how it went. I really, for me, like I don't know. I get on here and I yell and scream all the time. But for me, I think my biggest takeaway is you know hats off to Maryland. Like I think a lot of times we get into this like borderline territory where we're disrespecting other teams and it's like all about what Ohio State did or didn't do. But it's besides the first half, which you know, I guess you could say if we play better in the first half, this game is never close, which is probably fair. That second yeah. half was just Maryland fighting for their life. They couldn't get a stop to save their lives on defense, but we couldn't stop them either. Uh, and Maryland has been like that. That's why it's like everyone – I tell people, you know, Maryland would be a two or three best team in the ACC, and they're going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of getting rid of divisions because they are actually a pretty good team. They just have to play Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan every single year. Yeah. So that's three guaranteed losses almost every season. I think it's safe to say that they'd be very competitive in the West, Uh, obviously if Talia doesn't have to play Iowa. But they are probably just like, what, Ohio State's a rung higher than Michigan from like a pure talent composite standpoint. Michigan's just a rung higher than Penn State. And I feel like Maryland's just a rung below Penn State when it comes to just general talent on the roster. And I would probably put them as the fourth most talented from just like recruiting rankings in the Big Ten. Yeah, I I could probably agree with that. I mean, they're one of the only – I mean, it's really the only the four of us that get five stars. I know Iowa's going to get five stars in back-to-back classes, but this is going to be the first time – like, this is going to be like the last time in 15 years they have a five-star in the state of Iowa. Yeah. It just yeah. happened it was in back-to-back years. So they're going to get both of them, but that doesn't happen for them. So and they went to continue to happen. The same high school, right? Yeah. Yep, they did. They were teammates. Yep, so. So. That's a rarity. Uh, for sure. So let's let's get into um, a little analysis. The first half was just bad. Um, seven penalties for 62 yards. Um, wide receivers weren't getting open. Um, you made a point about um, Emeka. I don't know if you want to um, go into that a little bit more because I think you said it before we started recording. The offensive line wasn't – like literally nobody was playing well. It was like once uh, Jesse Merko kicked that punt and gave them the ball at like the 48-yard line, I was just like – nobody's playing well. Like even our good punter is not playing well. So at that point, it's just get to the half and figure it out. Um, When Jesse Merko is, is not playing well. It's a, it's just the whole team, right? Like it's not one thing or the other. There's just something this team wasn't in the game. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And that thing about a book I was talking about, um, and I think we just became so accustomed to it, you know, and I think even Marvin Harrison jr. Isn't the greatest at this, but, Last year, we saw JSN, we saw Olave, we saw Garrett Wilson. They were just such good receivers at creating separation in space. And don't get me wrong, the three guys on the team currently do it at times, but it's not nearly like that every single play type of uh, situation that we've seen, we've gotten used to, you know. And I think mm-hmm. that's a big that's a big challenge. You know, these windows are tight. Uh, Maryland was playing a lot of man-to-man coverage, so if you can't, create separation it really does create some challenges for you and uh, like even some of the best catches of the day were tightly contested catches marvin harrison down the sideline diving you know like book in traffic on that third and long that he got on that curl route i'm trying to think of some other situations but they just really weren't creating a lot of space and i think we already gave kind of some respect to maryland's 
defense, their secondary played phenomenally today. And yeah, I like the way they play man coverage. Like they play man coverage downhill. Like you're supposed to, it's not as it's reactive. It's not let this receiver come to me. And then I react. It's like, we're going to get after you. Yeah. They were very, very tough, very physical all game. Um, And I think that's another thing that if you kind of were paying attention to Maryland, which most of them weren't, we, and we did, we did talk about this on Friday. Um, their secondary was much better this year. And honestly, their secondary has been decent. I mean, this year in the draft, their safety, Nick Cross, went in the third round to the Colts, and they don't miss him. Like, they had an NFL safety who literally started first game his rookie season for the Colts. That's how talented yeah. he was. And they didn't miss him. They had good safeties. Um, and they hadn't played this well all season. But again, when you play against Ohio State in this type of game, you you put everything out there. And so they stepped up another level past what they'd already kind of been doing. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, it's really tough because it's just not easy for quarterbacks in that scenario. Man coverage is not easy when the defense is playing well to – fit balls in you know like even when you throw the ball accurately that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a completion it forces you to make some really competitive throws and that doesn't always work out like we saw uh I thought you know this wasn't Stroud's best game um and I'm actually okay with that because he's the king at bounce back games so yeah if you're an Iowa State fan you've heard me say this I think on Buck Off every week after Stroud's had a bad game uh it's usually a good thing the next week because for sure. And but though even the weird thing with Stroud is like it wasn't his best game, but also to your point, you know, just a couple minutes ago about the wide receivers not getting separation, all of his throws were contested. They were all tight window throws. I mean, except for the one where he kind of slightly overthrew Marv, how many open wide like wide open wide receivers did we have all game? I don't like, think he had a throw. Uh, the Ibuka one, he got some separation on that slot fade. Yeah. Uh but yeah, probably the ones only, like three or four throws. He had that one to Julian early in the game. Yeah, for the most part, they're plastic. And Marv is the only one who consistently catches through contact. But even with that, to your point, like he's not getting open. He's just making catches through contact. Um, Julian Fleming doesn't catch a single thing through contact, uh, d- despite how big he is. So Yeah, he had I one think ball it, hit him in the face today. Yeah, definitely wasn't Stroud's best game. But even that, it's... Maryland played great. There wasn't any yeah. open throws. Everything was in a small window. Everything was a, a tight throw. Everything was, you know, hoping your wide receivers make a play on tight coverage. And most times they didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we said it on Buck Off on Friday. Like, this was a Maryland team that was very close to being an 8-0 and football team with losses to Michigan by seven points and Purdue by two points, keeping them away from that. So they are competitive. They do get up for games. It's just sometimes, and I think we were tough on Mike Loxley. uh, He just kind of folds in those situations. I think after the blocked punt, you know, I actually had a lot of respect for how they stayed engaged and kept playing football because a lot of teams against Ohio state, you know, that's when the avalanche starts and that's the ball game. And no, definitely was very tough on uh, Mike Loxley. And I mean, he earned a little bit of respect from me for sure, but I still I still don't think he's that good of a coach. I'm not going to, you know, change my mind on that because I've seen him his entire career there. But I, he likes coaching against Ohio State. I think it's something because he was at Bama. I think it's something cool. about that Bama in him. When it, when it comes to a big game, he kind of gets out the way and just lets um, 
lets Tua cook. I think, you know, uh, the messaging he had for his team, like believe, hope, all that stuff, you know, and then you just got to go out and execute. I mm-hmm. think though that was honestly a message to himself because I think he felt very overmatched in his first two matchups against Ohio State in the first three years, losing by like 55 to 17, or I think it was 62 to 17, and then I think 69 to 17. Off the top of my head, that's probably wrong, but they got killed. And, you know, when I heard of, when I heard Tessator and McElroy talking about that, I was like, you know, I don't think that was fully a message to the team, honestly. I think that was a look inward. And he, I think that, that whole staff coach, they coached their butts off today. Yeah, for sure. And the thing, first of all, I appreciate this type of challenge um, because I tweeted like, Ohio State's going to have to earn one today. And they did. Um, They definitely did. I mean, there was a moment where down three, Maryland has scored on two straight drives and the defense had to stop them. And they did. They punted the ball. We got the ball back. Um, We went down, ran off most of the time and got a field goal. And that was essentially the game. But they had good field position too. They could have easily went down there, kicked the field goal to tie it, got a touchdown. And it wouldn't have surprised me. Um, I And I tweeted like, this is the biggest moment for Jim Knowles so far. Cause this is like your defense needs to get a stop. Not yeah. you want to get one, not you want to dominate. Cause that's just what you do or that's what you believe in. No, you need to get a stop on an offense that you haven't stopped for two or three straight drives who just ran down the field really easy, you know, 10 less than 10 real time minutes ago your offense didn't hold the ball they get the ball back all the momentum down three feeling themselves get a stop and they did so I think that that bodes well because as we say a lot last year's team wouldn't have got a stop it would have been on the offense to score and maybe we do and we still win the game but they would have at least got a field goal it at least would have been tied yeah for sure and I I think I don't think this was the defense's best performances by any means. You know, nope. you take uh, Talia's rushing stats out of it. They did not give up any rush yards at all, really. Uh, I think they had, uh, what's that, 45 combined? Uh, nope, even 57 combined on like, uh, I hate doing math on the show. I'm not a math guy. Mm-hmm. On 21 carries. So just over two yards per carry. Um and well, even even with Tulu's rushing, because they kept they sacked him a couple of times. As an entire team, Maryland was thirty-one attempts for eighty-four yards, two point seven yeah. yards per carry. Yeah, it just it, they played their run really well, and that's what should get you ready for next week. I think uh, the corners, man, I, I mean, they worry me a little bit. They do. Uh, this game was one of those that you know the alarm bells started ringing again, and. You know, Cam Brown's the only guy who knows how to make a play on the ball, and he even doesn't do it consistently. Right. <sighs> That's that is definitely a concern. I did tweet, and I'd like to know before we go on a break for the ads and come back to wrap up. I tweeted that um, this is going to be like unless we play Tennessee, this is going to be the best wide receiver core we played the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because Georgia doesn't have good wide receivers. They have amazing tight ends. McConkey and then no one else. And then it's Bowers and yeah, what's it, Gilbert. Yeah. Yep. TCU has one good wide receiver in Quentin Johnson. But, you know, one player is never going to beat you at the end of the day. Um, USC has – I mean, they're not going to beat UCLA tonight. I don't think that game comes on here shortly. But um, USC has one in Jordan Addison. Addison and then – 
who they had one, they have the other guy right Mario Williams he's okay but he's not yeah oh that's the guy good. is he a Texas transfer Oklahoma or Oklahoma transfer oh yeah yeah, yeah. He's right. then but yeah I mean you're right I I don't think and I was getting tired of him calling him Rock Jarrett I'm like <laughs> like I don't know who told you to keep saying Rock Jarrett and if he said it in person that's like a nickname you say that in person you don't do that on the broadcast yeah like it. I, I don't think you're friends with him like that, Tessa Tor, but uh, he might be. I don't know. I don't know his relationship with him, but that was weird. Demas Jr. had a okay day, um, but I, I think I agree with you that this was – this probably was the most talented receiving unit we've played all year. Maybe Penn State's is up there, but – No, I, th- I mean, I think this is the, the most talented one. I felt like that going into the season. I said that they had the best receiving core next to Ohio State. The problem is, as we talked about on Friday, they underperformed this year. Yeah. They didn't underperform today, but um, I think I said with full belief that they had the second best wide receiver core in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, I will say uh, Hemby, uh, Maryland's running back, didn't have the biggest stat day, but there were some moments where he was on the field where I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be a star. Yeah, I, but that's another reason why. I mean, hey, shout out taking it easy on us or just not being a good coach, but um. He should have had more carries like yeah. he like they didn't commit to the running game. I know it wasn't great at certain points, but they never committed to it. He's a he's a good player. And that's the problem that, again, we talked about on Friday. You have this guy and you just underutilize him when you do use when you do utilize him. Well, they he gets 100 yards, two touchdowns, this kind of stuff, but they just don't utilize him. So, yeah, for sure. So this game, um, I, we don't typically do these stats, but I want to do them really quickly before we go on break, just because of how even this game was at the end. Total yards, Ohio State 401, Maryland 402. Penalties, Ohio State 11 for 97, Maryland 10 for 96. Um, we were 8 of 15 on, on third down. They were 6 of 14. Um, 73 total plays to 68 total plays, like – uh, time of possession, we had literally 30 seconds more than them on time of possession. This game was close in almost every metric. This game, like it wasn't, like we said, it wasn't the defense's best game, but the defense did win us this game because this game was won in the fact that we had, they had one turnover, we had zero. Um, although technically at the end, but still, we had five sacks, they had zero, and we had eight tackles for loss for 36 yards. Um, they had four tackles for loss for five, which means all their tackles for loss were basically at the line of scrimmage. So, like, even still wasn't their best game, but the defense did win us this game. Um, those defensive numbers is what separates it because everything was even, essentially, um, yeah. for these two teams. Dead even in red zone points, 28 to 28. That's kind of crazy if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, just a crazy, crazy, crazy game. But, you know, what can you do? Yeah, you're right, honestly. Yeah, so, all right, we're going to go give it uh, some room for the ads. We'll come right back. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk favorite moments, uh, players of the game, injury suspensions, and what's next. Uh, So with that, we'll be right back. What's good, everybody? What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Land Grant Holy Lands I seven. Oh, this is not I seven. That is my podcast. Yeah, I seven Holy Lands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Langer Holy Land is the recap podcast. Again, we recap the Ohio State's 43-30 win over Maryland. Um, before we get into the favorite moments, different things like that, I have a question because I know how I feel about it. Going into the Michigan game, do you prefer, or what do you, not do you prefer, what do you think is better for the team? This kind of game where they have to earn it, they have to win it, they have to be tough, or a game where they blow out the other team and get the uh, guys out and arrested? I actually think this is the type of game, you know, um, if you weren't going to put up 45 in the like first half and like, you know, like get on the sideline and start chanting, like we're ready for next week. Like, I think you want a game where you have to fight a little bit. Remember you're human. Remember you're going to get punched in the face next week and you're going to have to bounce back. And I think ideally like you want to win this game cleanly and, in dominant form, like leave no doubt, but that was never going to happen today with this team. So I think you got to take it and go with the, with the uh, tough performance. You know, I, as a coach, I think I'd want the tough performance, just like that little reminder, like, Hey, could happen any Saturday. You need to be at your best and you're going to have to be at your best next week. So I'm going to take the tough one. I'm going to take the tough game. Yeah, I agree. A game where like the game was never ever out of reach, right? It was never, you know, like I said, with that six minutes left, you yeah. felt like Maryland might score, but you didn't feel like we couldn't score on the other end. So there was a fear of losing, but it was never like like some of those Penn State games where they were up and we needed last minute drive, like that kind of stuff. So I think this is the game where it's like we got out of it without being too, too stressed. Um but you learn from it, you prepare, you find Dallin Hayden and some of these kind of things, and you use that positive momentum going into next week. Because I do think that's some of the problems sometimes with Ohio State, with Georgia, with Alabama, that kind of stuff. You play these super easy games all the time, and then you struggle when you play someone of talent, which is why a lot of times these games are ugly. Um, like these national championship games are ugly and things like that. And so this is a really big game. And so I think it's important for us, and I'm glad that you agree. I think it was important for us to have this game um, because now they're going to, that's just another step of being battle tested uh, and the team, they played the whole game. So, you know, there's not going to be that really like finding your rhythm because you haven't played four quarters for, you know, which is why I said, even if we were up, I felt that Ryan Day was going to keep him out because he always keep him and he always does. Yeah, that you want to keep him fresh, yeah, or you not fresh, him, but you want to keep him, yeah, activated, motivated, keep him engaged. Yeah. Yep. So um, I don't have any final thoughts uh, really on the defense before we just kind of switch into our last like superlatives. I would just say again, if this is a bad defense, if this is a bad performance for the defense, I'll take it. Five sacks, yeah. eight tackles for a loss. Tommy had. Um, 13 tackles. Uh, Maryland was six of 14 on third down, um, which is less than 50%. Like this was really a game that Maryland stayed in it because of big plays. Um, And we do know that Jim knows defense is going to give up good plays, big plays. You would like to do a little bit less, but um, a little less because they'd seem like, especially in the fourth quarter where they scored 17 points, they got a big play whenever they wanted to, but this this was a normal game last year. So if this is the worst, I, you know, I'm fine with that. The worst in season yeah. one, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I agree 100% with that, honestly. Um, the defense gave up big plays. And you, you can tell like, the both lines of scrimmage did not come out playing with a lot of intensity. Uh, so 
Like the way they finished the game out, both sides of the ball, Ohio State leaned on Maryland's offense or defensive line the whole second half. And the defensive line, whenever Ohio State needed to play in that game, did come up pretty big. So I, I just think that was something I needed to see from the defense. A day where you're not playing your best, can you come out and make some plays? And they did. Yep. And that's that's exactly why I tweeted, like, this is the biggest test for Jim Knowles right now. Up three, six minutes left. They just scored two drives in a row. I mean, at this point, they had put up 17 points in the fourth quarter because they didn't score again after that. So they put up 17 points on you and, and nine minutes and a quarter because it was like six left. So in nine minutes, they put up 17 points. You haven't stopped them at all. Can you do it? And they did. Um, and so that is something that, you know, gives me kind of – uh, positive vibes for moving forward. And I want to key on something that you said before we move on. Um, they finished. Yeah. And they didn't finish before. So nope. uh, this team finished and they fought and they showed toughness. So, um, And on a terrible offensive day for Ohio State, and I wouldn't even call it terrible. It wasn't the worst day. They still put up 43 points. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> like, like they we're put up thirty six, but forty three was the defense touchdown. We're gonna sit here and complain about this game, and we still put up forty. That's why this team is so dangerous, and that's why I still think they can win a national championship because this team puts up forty points in their sleep. Yeah, and you're always just a completion on a slant away from a touchdown. Literally. Um, all right, so as, as we kind of wrap this up a little bit, we're gonna put a lot of time into um, that team up north. Everyone, remember to. Uh, put the red X's through your M's and, and all of that kind of stuff. We no longer say uh, that name. Um, some people don't say it all year round, but I don't yeah, play it all. I, I only do it. I, it's hard. Drive. It's hard to podcast about the Big Ten in college football and not say the name all the time. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, this now, week, this week, this week, as it's a graduate of, of the Ohio State University, I try to remain impartial on a week to week basis when I like talk about other football teams and other conferences and stuff. Not happening this week. Nope, not at all. So um, as we as we start to wrap up, favorite moment, my favorite moment, um, I'm going to add the Steel Chambers, uh, the Zach Harrison sack to the Steel, just because defensive touchdowns are always fun. But Lathan yeah. Ransom, uh, amazing story. I mean, we know what happened. Broke his leg. He didn't, like, play that great his first two years here because he was out of position. He's having a hell of a season this year, um, one of the best safeties in the country. Uh, he blows up a tight end screen for a huge loss on second down. Took on two then, blockers. Yeah. Two plays later, blocks his second punt. Uh, second, His second punt in a row, right? He blocked the punt last two weeks. Week. Um, so first, two blocked uh, punts in two weeks. What, the stat was first guy since Mike Doss to do that? Probably. And it, just, and it, and it really feels like when they want to block the punt, he's going to block it. I mean, I know it's yeah. only two times, but they've only called punt block two times all season, and he's gotten it both times. It just feels like if they're like, all right, go get it, he's going to get it. So that yeah, was uh, – I want to go back to our running bit. Did, did Parker Fleming earn his money today? It's so up and down. It's like he's good at two things and not other things. Well, like how, so, We can block punts, but we can't freaking like catch punts. Protect like, on a PAT. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, how do you get a PAT? coverage was good. Uh, I just fair caught today on punt. So good. You know, then you block a punt. Um, what we punted. Okay. Like Mirko miss hit one punt and everything else was pretty much as usual. And then you get a field goal blocked. Right. Yeah. But I don't think he, I don't think he earned his money today. Uh, I, I, I kind of like, you know, blocking like, 
like you can only do so much in PAT protection, right? So like, can you really yeah. blame the coach? I think that's an execution thing. Yeah, but the coach is the like you. Can, yeah, I'm blocking. I'm 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 blaming the, the coach. You can't get and I, like a uh, a field goal needs to be that's emphasized. like 40 or 50 yards maybe, but a PAT is right there. That's supposed yeah. to happen so fast you can't even get close to it. Yeah, player laziness on that one for me. I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm not gonna blame <laughs> players. So aside from those two moments, and then, and then Dallin Hayden as a whole, we're going to talk about him next, but just him as a whole is a favorite moment. Just him being able to have this moment as a freshman, as a running back, that was kind of an afterthought because yeah. most people didn't watch his high school film. They just like, oh, we've never heard of him. He's not good. And it's like, nah, you should you should watch that brother run. But Yeah, and you should know who his dad is. Uh, I think people that forget too. that sometimes. That too. Um, but yeah, do you have any other favorite moments? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I steel chambers had a, a one, like a couple plays where he just, so I don't want to call it a favorite moment, just some sequences where he was incredible in space. Um, Harrison juniors diving catch. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. Nothing in particular, honestly, uh, just Jack Sawyer's sack was pretty awesome. And then one play where Tommy filled in late, like when Talia was trying to step up through the pocket oh, yeah. to run again. And he just basically, you could see the wind get knocked out of Talia with that body shot with the shoulder. And I was like, you know what? I'm really glad. Like, that's the one thing, like, you don't miss about playing is those shots to the ribs. Like, yeah, not yeah. Favorite moment to watch, not a favorite moment to remember experiencing. And I never got hit by someone like Tommy E, so. No, not at all. Not at all. So speaking of Tommy E, <clears throat> perfect transition. Tommy E, player of the game. Uh, I had him as player of the game before he was actually maybe even deserved to be on here just because he reached 100 tackles. But yeah. like you said, he had a couple good moments. 13 tackles, 10 solo, um, a bunch of big plays in space and, and different things like that. And he did reach 100 in tackles, if my count uh, is right. He's at 105 for this season with – between two and five games left. Um, he's the first linebacker since Raekwon McMillan to reach 100 tackles. Um, second player since Raekwon. Uh, Ronnie Rocket Hickman counts, but he doesn't count because he's not a linebacker, so it means less for me. Your safety should never have 100 tackles. Um, yeah. But Fair. Yeah, 100 tackles in 11 games, that's a hell of a pace. Um, I think we talked about it on Friday. I think I had predicted it in like – 14 games and he did it in 11 so the rest of it is just easy money he's gonna have a bunch of tackles next week because of how michigan lines up he's gonna have a bunch more tackles in the um in the championship game because it's most likely going to be iowa so it's a hell of a season for him i don't want to soapbox too much here but if he doesn't have a tree in buckeye grove by the end of this year i think it's a crime against like defensive players in the modern era honestly yeah i mean so he's not he's most likely not going to get any of the end of the season awards because they don't really watch football but he has to be an all-american right because yeah. his stats are so good and you look at the pff grades which i'm sure some of the media members look at that there's no way he doesn't get all-american at least twice i think yeah. you need three services to be consensus which i think he should be consensus but he should at least get twice yeah absolutely so I mean, in the FWAA ballot, I voted for him. You know, I don't care if, you know, you look at my biases in that. I don't think there's a linebacker playing better football at this level than Tommy Eichmann. 
Mm-mm. And I didn't know this because I didn't look at all the individual stats, but Jack Campbell has more total tackles, but he was leading the Big Ten in solo tackles, which are yeah. really the tackles that matter. Like, obviously, assisted tackles that are counted, yeah. but he was leading the Big Ten in solo tackles. We joked about it on Buck Off. There's a guy on Buffalo who has 166 tackles and, like, 90 of them are assisted. He only has, like, yeah. 40 solo tackles. Yeah, like, that's crazy. So, Tommy E, shout out to him. That that brother's balling. Um, I could talk about him for an hour just because – this is the player development. That's going to be a off-season podcast. But yeah, absolutely. Um, second player of the game, Dallin Hayden. We already said it. Twenty-seven for a hundred and where'd it go? I lost it. Uh, twenty-seven for one hundred and forty-six. Three touchdowns. Uh, wouldn't be tackled. He he's not a huge back. They kept mentioning that on the broadcast. Although he's not as small as they made him seem. The way they were talking yeah. about him. But that fifteen-yard touchdown where he just wouldn't be stopped was uh that was fun. awesome. And without him, that game that game is is much different. Ohio State has him listed at five ten one ninety five, so he he is a little small, but um, hey, it's that freshman. He'll get the weight on. Yeah, for sure. He'll probably be like two ten next season. But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy what happens. Like you know, he's not as fast as some of the guys. He's not as shifty as some of the guys, but he sees the hole and he's really he good. As much as I complain about stretch and outside zone, it works with a running back like him because he sees the hole, he plants his foot, and he gets upfield. One time he got tackled for no gain, but it's just like even the fact that he saw a hole and tried to explode through it, none of the other running backs were doing it. They get you know carried out to the sideline half the time on stretch runs. So I, if Trey's healthy, play him, obviously. But at this point, I'm calling for Dallin to be the starter next week against that team up north because he has the momentum, he's healthy, and this team is so good that – a healthy running back's all we need. We don't need to waste two and a half quarters with the running Trying back. Trying to that, get a guy going. Yeah. And the, the, I'm not anti He's obviously not going. Like, Yeah, he's just not. Like, whatever, maybe by the playoffs, if you sit him, he gets healthy, whatever. But this has just not been a great year for him. Uh, maybe he bounces back next year with some offseason, some stuff. But he's had a bunch of lingering injuries. It just hasn't been it. And the Michigan game is winner take all so I, i'm ready dallin should be the starter in my opinion yeah you just need your best available player to be playing that position right now it's hated we saw it you know on saturday like 11 carries for 19 yards versus 27 for 146 like yeah it is what it is um so injuries i have oh, one yeah, addition one to player of the game and it's zach harrison because those two plays are incredible absolutely yeah. uh and i don't I may be repeating myself because I don't remember if I said it before we started recording or after. Zach Harrison has earned the first round pick that they're going to pick him with. He was most likely going to be a first round pick regardless because he's like six five and runs a four four, which is just disgusting. But uh, his play has matched his talent um, at times this year, which we have not seen. And so I think that's going to be even more likely that he does get uh, drafted in the first round. So shout out to him. He's had some big games. And this is this is the way it doesn't always work coming back for certain players, but this is the best season he's ever had here. Um, and I think that gives credits to the the point that me and you have made that Zach Harrison is the only star defensive end that we've had that didn't really have a running mate. Uh, Joey had other people, and then he had Nick. Nick had other people, plus he had Chase. Chase is when it kind of started a little bit, but he still had some good guys on the interior that got drafted and stuff. And then it was Zach and there was no counterpart. There was no other guy who could take some blocks away from him and stuff like that. Now he has Jack and he has um, Mike Hall. JT, and, he has Mike JT. Hall yeah. 
and he's playing better. So I, I think that shows a little bit that he was a kind of a one man show. Um, so shout out to him and his future first round pick because he's probably going to be one. Um, so injuries and suspensions. We already talked about Trey, but he was definitely injured. And then Matt Jones got injured at the end. Don't know how serious it is, but he was on the ground for a minute. Did they cart him off or did I make that up? Uh, I do not recall a cart being out. I think he walked off. Okay. But yeah, he was down for a minute. So hopefully that's not um, major. Um, we won't know if it is because the coaches don't talk about injuries, but hopefully it's not. Yeah. Too major. And he had some rough plays, but he also made a few really good blocks and, you know, it did not look great once they put the backup in, which was, I believe it was Enoch Mimahi. So he definitely, it'll be crucial to hopefully get him back. And if not, it's going to need a good week of practice from whoever's going to step up in that role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the This is not a positive. It's a positive for the team, not a positive because it means that Matt Jones is injured and you don't like that. But Anek has, uh, the Mahi has gotten some snaps this season and he's yep. played pretty decently. So it's not going to be like a game where it's a guy who hasn't played at all. Yeah, absolutely. So. Do we uh, really need to say what's next or? No. Or are we just going to let it simmer? Like, yeah. Guys Y'all know what's next. Here. Y'all know what's next. Block the M's. Uh, we didn't have to get this up. North. We didn't have to get this up so quick. I, I'd i say we should add some, like, super epic drums and, like, you know, one of those <laughs> war chants. Like, let's really get it going. So, if you guys are listening to this, put it, like, grab your friend's phone or your partner's phone and put on some war chants and just listen to the end as we tell you who's next. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, you know who's next. Michigan's next. This is, and this is not hyperbole, the biggest Ohio State-Michigan game since 2006. This is probably the first time they've both been undefeated since 2006. Number two, Ohio State versus number three, Michigan. Um, that's probably going to stay the same. 11-0 versus 11-0. Coming off of Michigan finally beating Ohio State. A spot in the Big Ten Championship on the line. A spot in the playoff on the playoff. line. And this is a very, very winnable national championship year to the point that even if Blake Corm is healthy, I think Michigan would have a chance to win a national championship because I think all the teams are pretty even at the top. I don't think I'm not buying into the Georgia's more dominant than everyone narrative. So a really legitimate chance to win a national championship on the line. Uh, This is for all the marbles. So um, there's nothing else to be said. It's hate Michigan week. It's here, and it has never been bigger, honestly. At least, I mean, I was 11 in 2006. Yeah. I don't remember that. This is the biggest game of my entire lifetime. So, um, It's here. It is big. It matters. It is what – this is – it's the it's the reason we all love the sport so much is it's this why game it, coming up. It's, it's why it's called the game because, you know, our older listeners and people will, will know more. But in our lifetime, 26, 27, and under, it hasn't been that. But it has been that throughout history. This is why it's called the game. And people know what it's talking about. And I personally, although I know people argue and hate and all this other kind of stuff about the fans who want Michigan to do good so that they can, we can beat them. I'm not one of those, but they are good. And it is going to be so sweet to give them their first loss uh, and knock them out of the attention. I'm so juiced up. There's not going to be single out to work on this week. Not in the state of Ohio. Not in the state of Michigan. It is one track mind. We just want to get to Saturday. Like, yeah. I wish I could go to bed and it be Saturday tomorrow. 
honestly. And that is, I will say, that is one of the best things about working in higher education. I only have to work Monday and Tuesday. So, uh, and I can't say there's going to be a whole lot of work done that week. So, uh, any, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Just beat those guys, man. Just beat them. Just, just win, baby. Go Bucks.